John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. This week, we're joined by Ed Murphy, President and CEO of Empower Retirement, to discuss M&A and consolidation in the record-keeping space, the work environment during the pandemic, and just for the heck of it, NFL football. Empower announced two industry-shaking acquisitions in 2020, Personal Capital and Mass Mutual's retirement plan business, and we began by asking him about both. Ed, we know some of the advisors and firms that partnered with Empower were concerned they might now compete with personal capital for wealth management dollars. Should they be concerned? I don't think so. Um, first of all, they would have been competing with personal capital before we bought them. Um, and in terms of uh, defined contribution advisors that work with us, we've been very consistent all along. And that is if they're in the wealth management business and, and they and their sponsors give us direction, um, particularly as it relates to the rollover opportunities, that that's something that they want to participate in and they can meet the needs of the client, then we honor that. So from that standpoint, I don't think anything's changed. Right. Is your M&A strategy simply to buy institutional clients, Ed, so you don't have to get messy with the transitioning of any plans? Uh, what is your overarching strategy when it comes to M&A? Well, I mean, I think we, we look at growth and in the institutional defined contribution side in two ways. One is organic growth. You know, we've got a fairly large distribution team that is segmented across the various markets that we compete in. So the small corporate, the mid corporate, the large and mega, certainly the government market and uh, the not-for-profit space. And so um, we've, we've actually maintained a fairly constant effort there. Like we haven't really increased our staffing per se. What we've seen though is just an increase in productivity. So the volume we're driving per salesperson has gone up exponentially. So we're pretty pleased with where we are in terms of our organic growth rate. We've been consistently growing at two to three times the rate of the market. We, uh, we expect to have the best year in the history of the company in 2021, just based on early commitments. Um, so that'll be the best in our history. And then obviously we're gonna to continue to be opportunistic as it relates to other opportunities on the M&A side. Obviously the market is gonna to continue to consolidate. It's uh, increasingly become more and more of a scale game. And uh, you know we've, we're fairly busy now with the two acquisitions that we pursued this year. And we've got uh, integration strategies and plans that are in place. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't anticipate us participating in a meaningful way in an M&A perspective here over the next several months. But, um, you know, clearly we, we think there's an opportunity to, uh, to further consolidate and roll the market up. And we will, uh, we're, we're going to pursue that strategy. You said 2021, you expect it to be the best in the company's history. How did uh, 2020 pan out for you with all the craziness that was happening at yeah, we, we, I was pretty pleased with 2020. I mean, we finished at about 90% of our goal. Um, so despite the fact that um, the whole sales process was really at least uh, towards the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, for all intents and purposes, it was put on hold as companies focused inwardly on, on the more pressing issues, which is understandable. And then I think like every organization, whether you're in this business or any other industry, everybody had to adapt to the new environment in terms of how you're gonna engage prospects and, and, uh, and the selling process was uh, fundamentally different and changed for sure. And then the sales cycle too had been extended. For, so uh, I think what we're seeing is um, 
you know, more comfort, more comfort on the part of prospects to make these large, complex decisions, um, despite not necessarily meeting with people live in the same room. And so um, I think that's probably here to stay. Um, I mean, that being said, I think we're prepared to to respond to whatever the market demands are. And if customers want to see us in person, we'll be there in person. But if, if they find that this process of, of buying virtually and interacting virtually is more efficient, more productive, and they're comfortable with it, then we'll be prepared to, to execute that way as well. Understood. So then specifically, how does the SunTrust record keeping business fit into what you're looking to accomplish overall, just as an example? Well, that was born out of the white label institutional business that we had that we have. And, uh, you know, there was a long, that was a longstanding relationship. And so uh, in some instances, the institutional partners uh, start off by outsourcing the, the record keeping and the back office, and they continue to sell their own branded product. And then over time, uh, some make strategic decisions to say, you know what, this is just not an area of focus for us. Uh, it's not an area where we want to really deploy resources. And so, um, there's a decision made to, to exit the business. And, and you know, we would certainly be a logical uh, candidate for that business, given the fact that we've, there's a pre-existing relationship and the plans are on our platform. But uh, as you would expect, they, they have a fiduciary responsibility to evaluate the market and look at other opportunities. And that's clearly what they've, what they've done and what other partners have done. Do you expect the same level of M&A activity in 2021 as in 2020, both for the firm and in the industry overall? Well, um, you know, I think that uh, industry-wide, I, I would say a lot of the indicators would point to uh, continued M&A activity, in part because there's just a tremendous amount of liquidity out there. And um, there's also uh, increasingly demand, you know, for these types of businesses. And so uh, it's not clear to me who the logical acquirers are. They may not be in the traditional sense. You might see more financial buyers. Um, we've seen that in the past with Blackstone acquiring a light. And, um, and so you could see some of the, the financial buyers play, you know, more of a, a presence. But, but again, I think <clears throat> there's a, you know, you've got two or three or four players, uh, we would be included in this, that that collectively have, you know, well north of 50% of the share. And the, if you look at the market share and where it's been moving over the last five years, a disproportionate amount of the growth is occurring within those five firms. So there's winners and there's losers, and there's a few that are sort of treading water. So I've always said it's just a matter of time when people take a step back and reflect and just say, you know, is this a business we can compete in? Are the scale players ra raising the bar for us in a way that we just can't compete? And, um, you know, we expect to finish the year, you know, well over a trillion in assets under administration, you know, over 13 million Americans, uh, over 70,000 plans that we're supporting. Uh, that gives us a tremendous cost advantage. Understood. Yeah. How did it go with Mass Mutual? Uh, were you pleased with the outcome and the integration? And what maybe did you not expect uh, that came out of the uh, the deal itself? Well, the Mass Mutual course just closed on December 31st, and we we've stood up an integration effort. 
pretty comprehensive integration program that'll take some 18 months or so to complete between 18 and 24 months between transitioning the clients over and then, um, you know, executing on, on, um, you know, all of the component parts of the integration. What's, what's interesting, John, is there's some complexity to the mass mutual transaction in that the clients, the 26,000 customers reside on three different platforms with three different data structures. So as you start to think about migrating those plans, we need a separate data strategy for each one of those platforms. Okay. Those effectively will be retired and they'll all migrate onto our own proprietary platform. So it has, it has a high degree of complexity. It'll take us a while to complete it. Um, you know, I don't think there were any surprises per se, other than the fact that um, it was fairly complex, <laughs> you know, sure. particularly in light of the, uh, sort of the breadth of the business and the fact that uh, the business was on multiple platforms. So how has Empower adapted to the work from home environment Ed, that we're seeing now? Yeah, I mean, I think like most companies, John, we've, we've, uh, we've responded, I think, well. Um, I mean, I guess the best testament of that is, you know, what, what are we hearing from our clients, right? I mean, to the extent that that experience is seamless and, and, and they haven't seen any real degradation in service, then I think that's a good thing. And that's essentially where we've been at. Um, I think our client satisfaction scores, our net promoter scores, all those suggest that we're executing well. Uh, we move pretty rapidly, I think like most, most organizations to a work from home. Um, so essentially we are working from home both here in the US and we have some operations in India. They've been, they've been working from home as well. Um, we have some 700 phone reps that are working from home that are taking calls. And uh, you know, we feel pretty good about the way we've been able to deliver for, for the client. Um, we are expecting to begin a return to the office strategy. It'll be phased, but we're, we're hoping and expecting that we'll be able to commence that effort in June of 2021. And, um, and then I think, uh, you know, we were probably 20 to 25% work from home prior to the pandemic. And my thinking is post pandemic, we might be closer to 40. Uh, and that has a lot to do with uh, employee preference the desire for flexibility and, uh, and roles that in some instances don't necessarily require them to physically be in the office. So we wanna be accommodative there. Our goal has always been to be an employer of choice, so we'll be flexible. Uh, but again, I think like everybody else, we're monitoring all of the activity and, and the vaccine rollout and, and um, you know, we'll, we'll make our plans, uh, we'll adjust our plans accordingly. But morale overall is pretty high. I think it's very high in part because, um, you know, despite the fact that we were in a global pandemic, um, our employees and our customers saw a decision to invest four and a half billion dollars in Empower in the form yeah. of two in the form of two significant acquisitions. So uh, we didn't we didn't rest on our laurels. We didn't sit back and and say, you know, we're going to wait until we get through this pandemic. We use this as a, as a time to be opportunistic. Uh, to add scale to our business and to add new and enhanced capabilities with the personal capital acquisition, leveraging their, their intellectual property, their technology, their infrastructure. And um, so I think if you're an employee of Empower, um, you're feeling pretty good because you want to be with a company that's committed to growth, committed to investing in the business. And that's exactly what we're doing. So with your personal and professional loyalties, Ed, will it be Tampa Bay or Kansas City in the playoffs? <laughs> Good question. Um, 
You know, I think Kansas City is uh, is vulnerable. Okay. Right? I mean, I think um, Brady's got a pretty strong receiving core. Um, I so thought you were going to be more diplomatic, Ed. I like this answer. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, my, my sense is, my gut instincts are telling me that it's a hell of a year for Tampa Bay, but it's probably not their year. I think you'll see a more formidable Tampa Bay next year. But who knows? On any given day, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Ed Murphy, that's exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Thanks, John. It. My pleasure. Appreciate it.